You're listening to Canary Crime Flyby. Food for thought for a place of faith. Hey everyone, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. This is just the flyby. Flyby. And we are going to just sort of briefly discuss. I'm sure everyone's sick and tired of hearing about the Noah movie. So we're going to give you 20 minutes of talking about the Noah movie. Right. Well... I went and saw the Noah movie last weekend. Okay, just did it. Yep. Deal with it. Sure. I, I have not seen it. I'm going to go ahead and save my money for Transcendence. I'm going to go see that with Johnny Depp when it comes out in a few weeks. Cool. I have no idea what that is. You don't know what that is? I don't. I don't know. But Dude. that's. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Noah. <sighs> Yeah, and okay, so I went and I saw the Noah movie last weekend, Friday or Saturday or something like that, with my family. And I was urging to do this flyby the night that I finished watching it with my family, because I kind of wanted to get out. You know, I was kind of excited. There's a lot of stuff I want to get out about the movie, um, and I wanted to get it out quick to kind of help other people along with their decisions to either see it or don't see it. But ultimately, whatever I say is not really going to have a lot of consequence. So um, anyways, but here we are. We're going to talk about a little bit about uh, Basil's review slash discussion about the Noah movie. Sure. And I'll uh, and I haven't seen the movie, as I mentioned. So I um, I have been keeping tabs with all the blog posts and comments and all the stuff that people have said in response to some seeing the movie others just saying you know glad you saved me money or whatever i don't know i may still go see it just to see it but at this point i have not seen it and i don't really have plans to see it yeah yeah well like i said i don't really care if anybody sees it but it's pretty interesting um for a few different reasons and you know, all the interesting parts could probably just be discussed and you don't have to see it if you don't want. But I actually, overall, and I might be unpopular for saying this, but I did enjoy watching the movie. Oh, why? I know. I know. Loser. I didn't, I didn't not <laughs> like watching the movie. I did like watching the movie, but especially liked watching it knowing the things that I know. Because I was sitting there for, I don't know, close to three hours and just like... The whole time I can just hear throngs of angry Christians like <laughs> sitting behind me. Um, just, Did anybody like, throw scoffing. stuff at the screen or like, you no, know? no, but it was just like any silent part of the movie was just filled with like scoffs and like amateur theologians like whispering <laughs> to each other. It was, it was actually really irritating. But let me just tell you a little bit about my experience. So I actually saw it in IMAX. Ooh. Um, so it was like this humongous screen. And the night that I went, I mean, it, I think it was opening night. It might've been the night. The I think it was night. opening night. Cause you, yeah. you, you text me like I did three in the morning and you're like, let's do a flyby. No, no. And I was like, it was not three. I am dreaming right now. Of <laughs> okay. Okay. So I saw it in monsters. IMAX. I saw it in IMAX and <laughs> it was so packed that the only seats that we could get were in the second row. Ooh. I was in the second row That's a, at an IMAX theater, a gigantic screen. <laughs> I had to like, there, there's some parts with like text and 
I had to move my head back and forth just to be able to read like the, <laughs> the text. Like it was so big. The screen was so big in my face that it, I was wearing glasses and the screen went outside of the view of my glasses. Why did like, they even have seats that close? Um, probably just to take money from fools like <laughs> me. <laughs> but it, yeah, so it was, it was a really, really intense experience. I mean, I was like inside the movie basically, which might be where part of my enthusiasm came from. Thanks, IMAX. <laughs> um, but anyways, about the Noah movie itself, it was kind of like, I like to describe it as half biblical epic and half lifetime original movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it had like this really intense, like first half, like crit, just of mythical proportions, just like all this crazy stuff, giant rock monster watchers and the flood and the animals and everything. And then oh, the so second, the flood happens in the first half of the movie? Oh, yeah. The flood is like halfway through the movie. Oh. And okay, I, I so guess I happening? should just give a little warning. I'm going to try not to put any spoilers in, in the next uh, 20 minutes cares? of this. Who cares? But I mean, I'm not going to If, if they're listening to this now, I mean, it's already been out for a week or something. So who cares? <laughs> I care. I care about you guys. Anyways. Okay. So yeah. So it's like flood hits halfway through. And then the the last like hour of the movie is like... Noah going bonkers and like having family problems on the ark. And so that mm. was kind of lame. I could have just stopped at the flood. Like if I walked out during the flood, I would have been fine. Mm. Um, but moving on, there were a lot of really interesting things about the movie. And I'm sure if you've read any blog posts or anything about all these angry people, you know, there's a lot of creativity that went into the movie. You know, if you go and see Noah because you want to see like an accurate biblical depiction of the Noah story, like you're just going for the wrong reasons, like from the very beginning. And you should just expect to be disappointed. Sure. But I kind of went in knowing that there was going to be all this weird stuff and knowing all the criticisms. So I, you know, I just went just to go see and enjoy. But there was a lot of interesting things that really showed that Darren Aronofsky took the time to like look at so many different, I don't know, aspects of the ancient world, especially in regards to like a lot of the fringe Christianity stuff mm -hmm. um, and science and things like that. So I just made some interesting notes here. Like for instance, Noah's telling the, um, the creation story and it's like, you know, it goes through it and, and it shows the earth and it's Pangea and, you know, instead of all the different continents and, um, you know, he kind of shows like, kind of tries to, he kind of reorders the creation story to kind of make it fit with a scientific big bang evolution sort of meta theory, you know, like, which is not new. I mean, that's a, that's an old way to look sure. at it, you know, where, well, where, I mean, I had seen some commentary from people, you know, and of course, you know, on Facebook and all the, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that, people are just like up and especially the Christian community, they're super right. up in arms about stuff, you know, like yeah. every little detail. Yeah. And one of them I noticed, and just because you're talking about the whole creation sequence, I guess at the, at the beginning of the creation sequence, uh, Russell Crowe says at the beginning, there was nothing. Yeah. 
And, you know, yeah. the Christians were, you know, nothing. No, at the beginning there was God, you know? And, right. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of little things you can nitpick like that. And I mean, and the whole creation story, he, it was it was put out of order. You know, it wasn't even in order. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the guy isn't a Christian. He's a self-proclaimed humanist. And that uh, humanist mentality is seen all throughout the movie. Although, you know, it, it never actually really puts down God or like, you know, it's not a God bashing movie at all. In my opinion, some people might think so, but, um, well, maybe, maybe not as a upfront God bashing, but I mean, there, I think there were some elements, I mean, we had discussed, you know, uh, off air, uh, prior and stuff about certain aspects that, you know, worldviews that see the whole Noah story as a metaphor to begin with. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that in a moment. Well, I, but. I, I told you about the NPR interview that Darren Aronofsky did that I was listening to, and this is where he admitted to being a humanist, and he calls the Noah story more than biblical. He calls it mythological because everybody has, you know, every culture has a flood story, and, right. you know, so that's just, just where he's coming from, and you just got to know that going into it. Right. But that being said, he did have a lot of interesting stuff. And like, for instance, in the very beginning, um, it talks about how man has defiled, you know, the earth and and all this nonsense or not nonsense, all this stuff. And <laughs> tell us how you really feel. And it shows a little Freudian slip there. No, that was not nonsense. That was a that was a, a, a okay. Go mis, ahead. Go ahead. Misspoke. It's okay. It's okay. Um, okay, but so the bad humans or something are chasing this animal through like this barren landscape and you finally catch up to it. And it's like this dog wolf thing, but it has like scales, like a dinosaur kind of. And it, it was kind of like, I think he was, he was kind of throwing a little bone to the French Christians, you know, about the antediluvian DNA manipulation or like the genes, uh, like the chimeras and stuff like that. Mm, you know what I mean? Like a, like a Nephilim wolf. Something like that, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked about it countless times before, sure. you know, and, and they did kind of play a little bit with antediluvian technology. You know, they, there was like this weird mineral in the ground that the men like wanted and they used it to fuel their, the, you know, that uh, it's interesting. Society. It's interesting because some of that aspect as well sounds a lot. And I, you know, of course I, again, I haven't seen it, but I, I had related some of that to alchemy you know yes. just some some of these ideas about alchemy and actually it was uh dr michael heiser published an article a response uh, a couple of them actually one of them pointing to an article by dr brian mattson which i thought was pretty good he just showed the gnostic elements and the kabbalic elements right. of the movie but i mean you know dr heiser in his article after the uh his impression of no the no movie after he saw it because he posted an article prior and then posted an article after he saw it, which was kind of cool and interesting. But, you know, one of the points he brought up was like, why does he need, or why do they need, you know, the Noah's family? Uh, why are they like magicians and, and alchemists? You know, when, why can't they do like the bear grills style to, you know, thing to start a fire? Like, why do they need this special right. powder or whatever? And, and in my opinion, I, it was, you know, it's like this mineral that they were digging out of the ground. I think it was just sort of trying to be a metaphor for oil, you know, sure. there's, there's a lot of talk about the like, Oh, it's just, a, it's all about environmentalism. It's a environmentalist propaganda. 
And, you know, I mean, that's, that could be true. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff about environmentalism metaphorically, but I mean, I'm kind of tired of hearing people like talk so much about how, how bad the Noah movie is because it wants us to take care of the earth, you know, <laughs> like that's all, I mean, at least on the, on the mainstream I was watching, I can't remember what it was. It was like Fox or CNN or something. And they just wouldn't shut up about it. They're just like the Noah movie. The only reason it exists is because the liberal media wanted to take the, nah, 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 now oh, yeah, that's what they hippies. do. That's what they do. They no, I know totally. But it's yeah. so yeah. There was a little bit of that, and there was the metaphor for the oil and the everything. And so there you go. But he's a humanist, and he wants to take care of the earth and things like that. But oh, but the anti-diluvian technology. Yeah, you know they used that like mineral thing and made like like cannons or like guns out of it and stuff, which is a little bit shy of genetic manipulation, but you know, at least they, <laughs> they kind of got creative with it. Well, maybe they just decided not to show the watchers doing the genetic manipulation. Yeah, no, they definitely did not show the watchers doing the genetic manipulation, but that does bring us to the next point, which is the watchers. I mean, and that's something that was really interesting for, for me because listening in the theater and also just like people talking about it afterwards who aren't necessarily aware of what the watchers are even. I mean, there were a bunch of people I was talking about, not talking about, talking to, and they'd be like, and what were those stone giants? That was just rawr. Well, yeah, <laughs> those were the watchers. Yeah, you know, and then kind of tell them about it. They're like, what? The watchers are in the Bible, like, yeah, they're they're in the Bible. They're in, you know, but they're all over the place. Well, yeah, like, they weren't. They, I I guess they weren't portrayed the way they were supposed to. But well, a lot of people don't even, A lot of people didn't even know that the watchers were a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Like these were hardened church veterans who had not even like heard about the watchers or had like read them in Daniel or something and just not even thought about it. Right. Um, but yeah, the watchers were like these big rock creatures and they explain why, I mean, the reason they were rock was because, you know, they fell from heaven and crashed into the earth and like their, their light bodies, like angelic light bodies, like melted the rock when they hit the earth and like it dried around them, you know? So it was just a creative, I mean, that was the reason why they're a rock. I don't know if that was the, the true form of them, but it, it was very interesting. Are they but called? Are they called watchers? Yeah, they call them the watchers. They oh, tell the whole watcher story, hmm. which was more or less accurate. You know, you're hearing it from a watcher saying it, so of course they're like, "We just wanted to help humanity, and <laughs> God didn't like that, and so we were banished." That you know? sounds really. That sounds very Mister Religion, though. You know, like they're the good guys. Oh no, totally. It was. It was. It was totally the Prometheus story. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, and that's what it was. But which, which really is the story of the Watchers, with the exception of you know, the. The fact that, you know, it was a little more than them just trying to be nice. Sure. And, and you know, there is a part of me and I, I've, you know, gone back and forth with some people on this, this point, but there, there is a part of me that does believe that it's very possible that, you know, the reason why they're called sons of God in Genesis six are because they were actually, you know, they actually did try to help in some way. But then, right. you know, they sin because they were like, oh, look at these women over here, you know? And right. so, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, oh, maybe initially their intention, their intention was good. And then that starts to really make sense when you look at like Psalm 82 
Mm-hmm. And uh, God, you know, saying you will be, you know, you'll die like men. And he's kind of like judging the gods, you know, lowercase yeah. g gods. And it's, I don't know, it's just interesting to to uh, try to tie it all together. So it's not this black and white, like, oh, they just showed up and they were bad guys. And yeah. and they were just trying to to take women. And, and uh, you know, maybe even they were part of the, you know, satanic deception, if you will. Like they were right. lied to or f- decided to follow their own lusts, which was satan's plan or something i don't know but anyway yeah. go on no i mean and and yeah and they talk about how they taught humanity technology and all this stuff and we're helping them out and gave them fire and then god didn't like that and so they were <laughs> why is god they, the bad guy in this movie well I, he's not the bad guy but i mean that that is the story they they weren't allowed to do that and they did it and so that's why they're in trouble. And so, you know, but of course you're hearing this from a watcher. So you're getting it from his point of view. And right. he's like, Nick Nolte. He's so mean. Um, did, they anyways, like, did they like superimpose Nick Nolte's face onto the rock giant? No, unfortunately, uh-huh. I think they're going to lose the Oscar just for that reason. <laughs> um, so, okay, moving on. So, and we, we have the watchers and they talk about how they helped humanity build their city that, and then, and then humanity turned against the watchers as well and like started enslaving them and stuff (laughs) to build things like the tower of Babel. And like, um, you know, the watchers in the movie end up helping Noah build the ark, you know, carrying big, logs and things and you know which was an interesting take as well because you know i never really considered that but you know the ark was a pretty big thing and Mm -hmm. um i mean if it was just noah and his family building it you know realistically it would have taken like decades really long time yeah with like you know well maybe maybe noah had huge hands (laughs) funny you should mention it Um, yeah, that was another thing that I mentioned before, Gans, which, which, okay, keeping in mind that Darren Aronofsky is a humanist, self-proclaimed humanist, I thought it was an interesting piece of imagery that I'm like watching the movie and it's a movie. So you kind of, you kind of just like leave reality at the door a little bit, but I kept noticing something weird with like people's proportions and I finally found out like could see what it was when Russell Crowe like put his hand on his son's head and his thumb was like as big as his son's face. Like (laughs) his hands were so big, like all the men, like all the people, but especially the men in the movie, their hands are just ginormous. Like it's crazy. And so I'm, I mean, there's a part of me now that I know that you were sitting in the second row. Maybe you just like, maybe there was some proportion thing going on, you know, no, like, no, like no, maybe no, you just, no. no. Okay. No, no. I mean, there, there definitely was, but I had adjusted by then. Okay. My brain had adjusted the image, but no, <laughs> they had just humongous hands. And I mean, which, which is totally some humanist symbolism, I think, you know, the, well, the capability I, of man to like, sure, sure. I, I actually, um, uh, what I think is this is another homage to Kabbalah because Kabbalah looks at the shape of the hands and, you know, including the fingers and everything else. And it's, you know, it, it's related to like palm reading and the, uh, Oh gosh, what, what is it called with the, um, there's a pathway that I can't remember the name. It's like the Sitharoth or something like that. 
there's this idea that the human energy can, you know, be attained and released through the hands. Mm-hmm. And and there's this whole Kabbalistic, Gnostic, spiritual side to the hand, you know, and just the shape. And it's a fractal mm-hmm. um, branch-like thing coming from the human being, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I think it was something like that because, uh, you know, again, we don't know because, yeah, you know, whatever. But, yeah, well, uh, you know, and that's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that can be connected to uh, the Kabbalah and the ancient mystery religions and things like that. I kind of went into it knowing that Darren Aronofsky is a, is a self-proclaimed humanist. That might be, you know, he, he might have other beliefs on top of that, but going from that point of view, everything made sense to me. I mean, even the moral of the whole story is like, as creatures of God, he gave us a will and he gave us a mind for us to be able to make decisions, you know, regarding the fate of the world. It was, sure. was basically the, sure. you know, after, after Noah goes nuts and like almost kills a couple of babies and, you know, gets drunk and is naked laying on a beach. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of nice to put him on a beach. You know, it actually didn't look that terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, the, yeah, the, the whole story was, cheer up, Noah. It's okay that you didn't kill humanity, like that you let us live. You, God, God gave you that choice, you know. So it's kind of like this Christian humanist type of thing. Um, Christian humanist. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting terminology. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I made it up, but. Or maybe I did. I don't know. I'm sure someone's tried to blend the two. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, here's the, for me, like the humanist perspective itself isn't really, you know, philosophically consistent within itself because you can't, you know, because the humanist idea, and we won't branch too far into this, but I've been looking at this and, you know, the humanist values and stuff like that, you know, there's very similar to, you know, all the Christian values of like, oh, you know, peace and treating each other well and, uh, you know, freedom and justice and, you know, all the good stuff. But from the humanist perspective, all these things are man-made. They're man-made concepts, but then they use it as if they're objective truths. And so you run into a problem of like, well, if they're just man-made, they're, they can't be inherently objective because they can change. These things can, these values can change. So it's more like a preference, right? And, uh, but then they act like everybody, these are universal truths, like, oh, justice, freedom, uh, loving each other and, and helping each other and all this stuff and kindness. These are, these are good things. And you just can't say that without, you know, clearly defining how they're objective in uh, reality. So it's, you know, I don't know. I've been going back and forth with this guy on my blog about this whole thing. But sure. anyway, just one more point about the, uh, the, big, the big hands thing. In palm reading, the the Kabbalistic uh, interpretation of palm reading, large hands actually indicate uh, an interest in information and the ability to perform a delicate or complicated job. Mm-hmm. And small hands actually belong to people with big ideas, uh, but they but it indicates quick thought and intuition, but also carelessness and exaggeration. So, you know, I don't know if there was character. Uh, development or reflection of some of those ideas hmm. but uh yeah that's that's the kabbalistic perspective of right that's uh, palm reading so i mean you know maybe maybe, nice maybe to not. Know going into it 
Now, you mentioned, uh, this isn't a big discussion, but you mentioned um, uh, Noah's family being like magicians and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that's really only talking about his grandfather. He kind of visits his grandfather a couple times. Methuselah? Yep, he visits Methuselah up in a cave. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because the whole time they're, they're like talking about the creator and God and stuff. And it seemed to me that Methuselah, well, first of all, after Noah stopped seeing visions from God, he went to Methuselah, his grandfather, and he, he like drugged him, like gave him some hallucinogenic tea. And he, and that's when Noah had uh, like his second vision or something or third vision or the vision where he learned he had to rescue all the animals. Before you move on here, mm -hmm. you don't find it even slightly offensive as like a Bible believing Christian that believes the story happened when it's portrayed as like the whole concept of the flood and the ark and everything is portrayed through basically like a shamanistic uh, DMT experience. I do. That's the point I'm making. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, Ayahuasca is the one I was trying to think of. Right. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's totally, yeah, it was, well, it because was very earlier silly. You, you had said, that's not really that offensive. You know, they're not outrightly offensive to God, but then, they, you know, it's like, oh, this whole God vision, it was an Ayahuasca trip. Uh, I mean, keeping in mind, uh, see, yeah, it, it's definitely, it, it's a very fine line. Like I said, I went into the movie just knowing that it was going to be out of control. Sure. And sure. I guess what I'm saying was the fact that they weren't so like, Oh, God is so dumb and mean for killing everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they very easily could have taken the route where like sure. everybody's like, especially him being a humanist. Like, why is God killing everybody? He's so stupid. You know, like they could have done that, but they didn't, you know, in fact, they, they basically, at least from what I can remember, and I'm sure there's going to be some emails about this, that, you know, they portrayed God, for the most part, in a positive light through the whole thing. Now, mixed in with crazy, you know, other nonsense, but still, it wasn't as right. bad as one could have expected. Sure. Uh, just touching back on the environmentalist thing. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding that this whole view that we have dominion over the animals right. was seen as like cruelty and not so much like a stewardship position. Is that kind of how they portrayed well, it? Like what well, it you was know. was Tibble. It was a, basically the the antagonist was Tibble Kane, um, right. and Noah was the one promoting stewardship. He was the one promoting. You know, he was a vegetarian. And, right. um, you know, he was the one taking care of nature, basically, while the rest of humanity was destroying it. And in the movie, this is what was happening. And Tibble Kane comes in, and he's like this really gnarly humanist, like, the earth is ours, the animals are ours. And he, like, eats animals to, like, gain their strength. And, like, you know, <laughs> just, just coming from a very dark place with this whole thing. So, yes. I mean, stewardship was like the good side of the movie where, you know, and it was interesting how, how intensely Tibble Kane's humanism was, you know, he was very much like, we are the dominators, 
and I will dominate all. And he just like bites the head <laughs> off of a snake and like just eats it with, with like blood splurting all over his face. <laughs> you so know he's like I mean? a Viking. Yeah, he was this really gnarly guy. So I completely forgot your, what your question was, but. Uh, you know, I don't either. But, you know, I heard uh, actually Brian Godawa was featured on a, a WNYC interview yeah. after he had seen the movie. And, you know, of course, I, I think you had mentioned how Aronofsky sort of went after Brian Godawa. So I'm sure Brian Godawa, this is the reason why he was going back after Aronofsky. Right. But he was saying that the, the you know, Tubal Cain and sort of the, the antagonists of the movie were portrayed in as a sort of uh, metaphor for the modern day evangelical Christian. And, you know, of course, because they had guns and they're, you know, yeah. they want to, you know, dominion over the animals and yeah. whatever. But, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because it, I think coming from our perspective, just on this show, you know, we're not, we're not like here to defend the political right or anything like that. Right. You know what I mean? We're, we're totally, we're pretty ambiguous about our political, right. you know, agenda and position. And, and I think it's interesting okay. that, you know, of course we, we, we want to, you know, of course, defend the the Christian values and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean we're, you know, defending Fox News right. and the Republican right and all this stuff. So, well, I think, I think in my view, I think that Tibble Kane more represented like a political stereotype rather than a religious one. I think Noah in a religious way was more representative, at least of an ideal not ideal, but, you know, just kind of like a, a closer version of what Christian values should be. However, yes, the Tibble Cain was very reminiscent of what one would consider a conservative, conservative right-wing evangelical Christian in America. Um, <laughs> I think that's hysterical. Yeah. I kind of want to go see it just to see that aspect of it, you know, just because yeah, it's like... you know, but it was very interesting, you know, because... Tibble Cain really had no relationship with God or, or he was angry with God and didn't, you know, had basically turned his back on God and even, sure. even had this moment right as it starts raining and right before he tries to like break into the ark, he, um, he, he like cries out to God kind of, and he's like, why won't you talk to me? <laughs> what I'm made in your image and you are ignoring me. Oh yeah, that's the other thing, right? He he's he's touting for we are made in God's image, and what Noah takes the op not not the opposite no. view, obviously. But no, he doesn't take the opposite, you know. And the, uh, again, some people might disagree with me, but it, they did a good job of of solidifying the the common ancient beliefs, like I, at the time, just in in the world of the movie, which was sure. everybody knew there was a creator. You know, there was no question if God existed. Everybody knew he existed. Everybody knew what he had done. But Tibble Cain and his people had consciously decided to, you know, not rely on God because they weren't helping them, you know, take over the world, basically. Sure. You know, and so he kind of has this little breakdown moment. You know, nobody, that, and that's kind of what I mean. It was, it was interesting because you almost never see that in a movie. Where like yeah. every where it's just accepted common knowledge that you know God is the creator and He's there and right. you know stuff like that. So I thought that was a very interesting movie and may have 
I mean, very interesting point and may have um, kind of added to the, it took away that tension, you know, it took away the tension of God versus or, or Christians sure. versus everyone else. You know, it, it wasn't God fearing people against, against people who don't believe in God. It's we all, we all, well, we all know God's there, but now let's take sides. Well, I, I, I think that's interesting because I think that sort of reflects more reality, right? It's never this sort of black and white thing. It's a lot more complicated than that every I time. Know, there's you some know? pretty hardcore atheists. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. But, but at the same time, we don't, <laughs> it's not as black and white as what the commentators, you know, the haters or the lovers of the movie right. are making it out to be. I think, it really I think isn't. it's a little bit more complex. It really isn't. And, I think I would, that's what I would say about the movie is that it's a lot more gray than you have ever heard sure. it yet. Any commentary that I have heard has been, has seems to have had some agenda to sure. say, and I'm just coming to you live over the internet right now saying I have no agenda. I really don't care. But when I saw it, it seemed a lot more gray than what I had heard. Sure. Well, I guess there's one part that's not so gray, which was, and we'll wrap with this. Um, and again, spoiler alert, but you know, if you're listening to this now and you still want to see it, then yeah, if you made you know. it this far, you're, <laughs> you don't really care what's coming next. Yeah, but the the watchers save themselves basically. Oh, yeah. They get to that was an uh, they're redeemed. Thing. Right. Well, that's, okay, so okay, okay, little, but you got to uh, put it in context. Okay. The, what they did was they, you know, they okay, so all of humanity is being rained upon and starts drowning and or drowning and they show up at the ark and they want to break in and be saved, you know, and, and hijack the ark basically. Wait, so the, wait, wait, so the rock giants? No, humanity. Oh, humanity. Humanity okay, wants to, you know, save themselves and get on. Right, the right, right. Okay. Okay. That um, makes sense. And the rock giants are, or the watchers kind of make this like line that they just don't let any human beings cross and they protect the ark and they protect Noah and they kind of fight to the death. And right as the very first um, watcher is being slain by Tibble Cain, he kind of like cries out to God and he's like, ah, like, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then his like chest explodes. Um <laughs> You know, and then you see like his angelic form shoot back up to heaven. So yes, they were redeemed. I don't know. I don't even know if I'd say redeemed. I'd say freed. They were maybe they were that, forgiven. That's a very... I, I think because they cried out for forgiveness. Sure. And then well, uh, they were forgiven and brought that, or let back up. Sure. I, again, to me, like when I hear you explain that, it's and this is not even based on you know. I mean, this is this is very Gnostic. I mean, the Gnostic idea is that, you know, that there's some form of Gnosticism that believe that all matter is, is evil. You know, it's like Yahweh created this material world and, uh, this material world is evil. And, you know, to liberate ourselves from the material world, we must do something, you know, it's, it's basically kind of a workspace salvation. Mm -hmm. And, and when we are able to do that, achieve that, you know, whatever our, our salvation, then, you know, we will be freed or whatever. So it's kind of, 
I don't know when I hear you say that and you know, sure, they, I I mean, yes, they and cried like out I to said, God, not... but at the same time they did this, this deed, right? This like this, uh, oh, yeah, it was very much, this... it was very much like, Oh, thank you. Good job for doing this. All right. You can come back up. That was, right. that's definitely what it was. And again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you what happened. And, right. and yeah, so, I mean, but I did think it was interesting that it did take the watcher to like, apologize and cry out for forgiveness and all this stuff. Yes. Right. And, that's and also, it was paired with, you know, protecting the ark and sure. Like and that. that, that is also different from the Enoch version, which, you know, Enoch, they, they, the watchers in Enoch, they basically try to, you know, Hey, we're sorry. You know, Hey, Enoch, go tell God we're sorry. And God's like, no, right. You're done. Yeah. You're, you're going to be punished. Yeah. So that's, you know, again, it's not, it's not so like black and white. Oh, he just took it from Enoch. Right. Well, no, he didn't do that either. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that was just a very interesting part of the movie too. You know, I guess being somebody with the knowledge and experience that I have, the movie movie continued to (laughs) surprise me in different ways. Very good. Well, all right. So there you go. Now you don't have to go see it. Or if you do, you can have Basil uh, ringing in your head saying, All I'm saying. Look at those giant hands. I'm just saying. Yeah. And sit really <laughs> close to the IMAX. Yes. And before everybody goes off and starts posting that Basil thinks the Noah movie is right on and emailing <laughs> me with angry letters. I'm just letting you know, I'm not saying that it was right on. I'm just saying it was interesting to watch. And those were some interesting details that I noticed. Yeah, try to stay gray. Stay gray. (laughs) Take a stand, man. Take a stand. Stand for um, gray. So, by the way, Transcendence, uh, I'm sure you guys have probably seen the, the preview. I don't know where Basil's been. Yeah. But uh, the outline of the movie is a terminally ill scientist downloads his mind into a computer. Mm. This grants him power beyond his wildest dreams, and soon he becomes unstoppable. And it features Johnny Depp and Rebecca Hall and Morgan Freeman. Wow. So uh, he'll be going through wormholes. All those cool guys. (laughs) All those god haters. Hey, you don't know that. Morgan Freeman is. Yeah. He's like he's come out and said like, "Oh, my my childhood friend died and God did nothing." Yeah. And so now I'm going through the wormhole. He sold his soul to the devil and that's why he has <laughs> such the awesome voice. We're going to get in so much trouble. Are we though? No, probably not. No one cares. Probably no one listens not. to uh, our banter about. I'm sure I'm sure uh, Morgan Freeman is shaking in his boots that Basil and Gons yeah. Set stuff about him. Mm-hmm. He's probably narrating some awesome story about his about how he's gonna get revenge. <laughs> All right. I was gonna try this to do a, really... a Morgan Freeman impression, but I've got scared. You got scared. Yeah. You, you, got, you got nothing on him. I don't. All right. So I guess we should end this thing. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys got something out of it. Uh, real quick, if you guys are listening to this, you know, fairly quickly after it's posted. Age of Deceit 2, Alchemy, and the Rise of the Beast image will post on YouTube in a couple days, April 7th. And also, if you, even if you've seen it, what you want to do is watch 
at least the first hour because um, what I've done is sort of interject little, you know, shameless promotions of not just the DVD, but also Canary Cry Radio. And so you will see at some point in the movie the video that we used as an intro for our live episode. So, uh, you know, Basil did some wonderful work. I don't know what all the static was all about, but, you know, we tried. And uh, you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. But You think you're uh, so funny, don't you? Was was I making a joke? Dude. Settle down there, Tiger. I wasn't making a joke. Settle down, Tiger. (laughs) Finish your announcements. Let's let these poor people go home. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Oh, oh, I was going to say, yeah. Go ahead and share the YouTube video. Now, you know, you can see it for free. Of course. I'm going to bug you about buying the DVD. And those of you who have bought the DVD, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's been very awesome. I actually ran out, so I had to print some more. And, uh, yeah, what else you got, Basil? Um, nothing. That's it. Make sure to come back and listen to another episode of Canary Cry Radio. But until next time, think outside the cage. <laughs> <laughs>